Blog Talk Radio. moments ago, I placed a wreath at the tomb of the unknown soldier, and as I stepped back and stood during the moment of silence that followed, I said a small prayer, and it occurred to me that each of my predecessors has had a similar moment, and I wondered if our prayers weren't very much the same, if not identical. We celebrate Veterans Day on the anniversary the armistice that ended World War I, the armistice that began on the 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month. And I wonder, in fact, if all Americans' prayers aren't the same as those I mentioned a moment ago. Because they're ours. I mean... To give closure to the family. You know, to have their son one more time. I mean, I'm, we're not going to leave someone behind. Never going to do it. We see his legacy in the family that stands before us filled with grief, but also with everlasting pride. Mr. and Mrs. Monsoor, America owes you a debt that can never be repaid. This nation will always cherish the memory of your son. We will not let his life go in vain. This nation will always honor the sacrifice he made. May God comfort you. May God bless America. Believe me, the memory and the importance of this day will be in the forefront of my mind and in my heart. God bless you all and God bless America.
www.blogtalkradio.com. Welcome to Post Time with Mike and Mike. Mike Carter joined by Mike Bozich. And it's a great, great episode coming up for you. A lot of action-packed things coming on. But first, we want to take a quick time out and thank the veterans. Uh, it was Veteran Day, Veterans Day yesterday, and uh, we want to thank the veterans for all of their service to their country and uh, to us and for our freedom. And uh, Mike, how are we doing tonight, buddy? We're doing good. And, uh, yeah, I echo those sentiments, Mike. My dad's event uh, spent uh... – uh, some years in the Navy, and uh, as a matter of fact, he was stationed not too far from where Harris, Philadelphia is today. It was an old shipyard uh, here in the Philadelphia area, and uh, just a hats off to all the vets. Uh, we certainly wouldn't be here talking about the sport that we love without uh, their service, and uh, we thank them very, very much, Mike. All right. Well, uh, Mike, we got a lot of great things coming up on the show. Uh, Darren Zakali is going to kick off the show. He'll be on in just a couple of minutes. We're going to talk about some of the things going on at the Meadowlands uh, coming up and in 2016. It's going to be a uh, great interview. Also, later on, we have Brandon Valvo coming on to talk about Nuncio and the Breeders' Crown over uh, overseas. And we've got the three-year-old matron stake. Ted Black is coming on. Mike, it's a jam-packed show. Yeah, it sure is. Uh, some of the matrons uh, going on. The two-year-olds were last week, uh, Trotters and uh, Paces, and the three-year-olds in action this week over at Dover. And we've uh, already seen some fireworks. We've seen some track records, a world record as well. We'll uh, bring that uh, to you when Ted Black joins us, uh, probably around 740-ish or so. And uh, we've got the Meadowlands starting uh, tomorrow. They uh, open up their meet, and we're going to talk to Darren Socali here in a minute. Uh, some of the TBG uh, races going on there, the Goldsmith made eliminations, Valley victory. So some big stakes races coming up at the Meadowlands. And we'll talk about that with uh, Darren Zocali as well. But first, uh, while we have the, uh, while we have some time, Mike, I did want to mention uh, one thing and uh, I want to give hats off to uh, a guy. I think we uh, lost Mike Bozich uh, there. Looks like we're having a it's a little bit of a technical issue with Mike Bozich's sound. So when Mike comes back, we will uh, we'll get his information. Uh, with the Meadowlands coming up, it's the TVG races that are coming up this uh, weekend, Friday and Saturday night. Taking a look at the entries for those races at the Meadowlands, uh, we've got the TVG Mayor Open. It goes as race two on Friday night. And the TVG Mare Open Second Division goes as race number seven at the Meadowlands. And uh, those races will take place on Friday. Now, on Saturday night, they also have a, look at this here, a 13-race program. It involves the free-for-all trotters and pacers. It's the TVG free-for-all. You also have the Governor Cup eliminations, the Valley Victory eliminations. So you got a lot of things coming up there as well. Uh, and like I said, we'll be speaking with uh, Darren Zakali here in just a couple of moments. And uh, we're hoping that uh, Mike Bozich can get back on with us here in just a couple of minutes. While we're waiting, let's go ahead and talk about the TVG races on Friday night. Friday night features the TVG free-for-all mare open trotters and pacers. The trotters take place in race number two. 
And uh, I think we might have Darren Zakali with us. Bear with me just a second. All right, joining us now, uh, as Mike Bozich is back from our little bit of a technical issue, is uh, Darren Zakali from the Meadowlands Racetrack. Darren, thanks so much for taking time out of your night to uh, join us tonight. Oh, it's my pleasure, guys, uh, watching the racing action from Dover, getting ready to kick off our season tomorrow. Well, Darren, uh, I see a lot of changes coming up for 2016, uh, including your post time being moved up to 7 o'clock. And I also noticed about the, you know, the late closer program. Go into, uh, if you can, what, uh, what made those changes uh, possible for this year? Well, the, the earlier post time, we really just wanted to uh, – and the, the handle on the, the, latter, the later part of the card seemed to be tailing off a little bit. And um, so by moving up 15 minutes, we're kind of able to stagger the post times a little bit more in between. It, it kind of opened us up a little bit to be able to work with the guys up at Woodbine and Mohawk to make sure that we could stay off one another and kind of keep 10 minutes between the races uh, so that we're never really on top of each other. Uh, it enabled us to put a race in between our two pick fours rather than having one on top of the other, which I think probably will help the late pick four a little bit. As far as the late closers, you know, uh, the, the late closer winter program at the Meadowlands used to be something that trainers really targeted uh, and it just seems that lately it, it's just kind of fallen off in terms of what, what horsemen are looking for. You know, with the slot infused purses being surrounding us in Pennsylvania and New York, you know, it just doesn't seem to be worth their while to race for, you know, a thirty-five, dollars $40,000 final when they're racing for eighteen, twenty thousand $20,000 every week uh, and have to put up money to do it. So we're going to focus more on the overnights in the winter, uh, maximize the, the horsemen being able to enter their horses in the overnights. And uh, we'll, obviously we'll keep our... Uh, you know, our major stakes program intact once we get to the championship season. Yeah, the championship season is always a fun time at the Meadowlands. And I, for one, enjoy the winter racing uh, there. The overnights have always been very competitive. Darren, uh, next year, uh, there's talk of potentially doing some mixed cards. Now, I came from Colonial Downs, and I uh, I know you did some filling in there and at Ocean Downs, and I think you called the races there, too, at Ocean, didn't you? Yeah, that's actually the first place I ever called a, a paramutual race was Ocean Downs. Yeah, so uh, so you know Colonial like I do. They tried the mixed breed and it worked for them. Uh, do you guys think it's a uh, what what brought that to the table? Well, I mean we have a really good relationship with the thoroughbred horsemen from Monmouth, and uh, we both kind of want to maximize our use of the the facility because the Meadowlands Racetrack being a a brand new facility and offering as many state of the art options as it does it's really to everyone's advantage to be open for live racing on as many weekends as possible. And, you know, for us to close on Hamiltonian day and then not come back again till November, we kind of lose a couple of months there where the weather, you know, in New York is really the best weather that you get, um, you know, all year long. So uh, by adding those dates in September, it allows us to open up and then we're going to work with the thoroughbreds and running those mixed races. Cause we kind of felt that, you know, being able to maybe expose our product to the thoroughbred players and have both the thoroughbred and standardbred players in the building at the same time and expose both products and have a little bit of cross-promoting. Uh, we thought it might get some print in the media as well as us, you know, trying different things. Logistically, there's going to be some uh, tricks that we're going to have to overcome, uh, you know, things that you don't think of off the top of your head that you need to work around in terms of being able to have both thoroughbreds and standardbreds on the same card. But uh, it's something that we're going to try, and hopefully it, it catches on and, uh, and it's proven to be a success. Wonderful. Darren, you guys have 
uh, two big weekends coming up. Uh, this weekend, obviously, is the eliminations for the TVG and the prep races. Uh, the first race uh, tomorrow night is the TVG Mares Open for Trotters. It features Classic Martine, Shake It, Carry, and Be a Magician. Uh, who do you like here? I see you made Be a Magician the four to five choice. Uh, how does this race shape up to you? Well, that's the, that's the key. I mean, Be a Magician being outside in post six, uh, it really makes things interesting because, you know, she doesn't have a ton of speed off the gate, although she's a tremendous mare. You know, blast and, and, and go to the front is not necessarily her game. Uh, Shake It Terry certainly does have plenty of speed, and she seems to be the one that's going to be going right to the front. And maybe Classic Martine from that inside spot might be able to draft in behind Shake It Terry, and I think that's the way it's going to set up. Be a magician's either going to have to come first over or look for a trip here. And uh, in a short field, that could be a dangerous thing. And, uh, you know, Shake It Terry's a threat to go wire to wire, but Classic Martine, I think, is a real threat if she gets that pocket trip and is on her back. So uh, I picked Classic Martine to pull up the mild upset this time, uh, just given the way that the race shape looks like how it might develop. Darren, Mike Bozich here. Is there show wagering that race? Because Mike Carter asked me to ask you. He didn't have the – he wants the, he the $2 show better. So, you know, he was wondering. He's always looking for opportunities. Yeah, I, I don't like to pull show, really, unless I absolutely have to. Uh and, uh, I mean, I thought that race was competitive enough that uh, that it really didn't warrant it. So we leave show wagering in as much as possible, and, and there'll be show betting in there. Well, he, but Mike's like the $2 favorite show better, so his two bucks oh, will okay. be on Be a Magician. won't be on somebody else to try to get a 20 or $30 show, but it will be on Be a Magician, just to be perfectly clear. <laughs> he likes to dime them to death, what can I tell you? Um, no problem. Goldsmith made Darren the uh the fifth race. Uh Goldsmith made elimination for two year old Philly Trotters. Uh you've got uh, the Breeders' Crown rematch, Hottie versus All the Time. What's your take on this one? Yeah, I really liked All the Time in the Breeders' Crown and, and she certainly was as advertised. Um Hottie I don't exactly know hundred percent what to make of her yet. There is a really interesting Philly in this uh in this field though. That, that caught my eye uh, in terms of uh, when she qualified, actually, uh, the other day. And uh, and I think she's probably sitting on the big race. Uh, she qualified, I believe she was second to uh, to Explosive Man, and that was a double exposure, um, who just kind of trotted her own mile there. She laid back, and she really kicked in in the stretch. She chased down, uh, she chased after Explosive Man to only get beaten neck, but she was doing it under no urging whatsoever. Tietrich stuck here over Ultimate Chopper, who's another filling here with a big chance. So I actually went for a bit of an upset here off that qualifier. And, you know, you could do worse than getting 5-6-1 to one in an undefeated Philly. So we'll try double exposure there. Now, double exposure uh, coming into the race drew very well, Darren. Uh, how much in these two-year-old uh, trotting races does post position uh, af- not necessarily affect the race, but – how does it help help them or, you know, maybe even uh, put them in the debate? Well, double exposure, you know, she's landed the perfect spot. You know, it'll give Tietrick options if he wants to send out of there and uh, and mix it up early if he wants to kind of sit back and wait for a trip. Uh, I think, you know, with a young trotter, I mean, optim, you know, that's the optimum situation. That's what you want to do, be right. able to, to get yourself in a position where, you can maybe follow another horse and uh, and uh, slingshot off cover. Uh, you know, I really don't think you want to cut the mile all the time, especially with a young trotter. I mean, I think that could be a, 
a dangerous thing to do in terms of just uh, keeping all sharp for a long time. So uh, post position at the Meadowlands obviously doesn't matter as much as it would on a smaller track. But uh, that being said, obviously you'd much rather have post five than post ten. Right. Darren, exactly. TVG, Mare's Open coming up at race seven for a purse of $25,000. And, Darren, I have to say that uh, Galley by the Beach, and I've had a chance to uh, call a majority of her races uh, certainly this season, but Galley by the Beach is uh, certainly a mare on a mission right now. Her last two have been really, really good. Uh, yeah, I mean, I watched her replays. I thought she was fantastic down there at, at Philly, and uh, and she was actually my selection here. Uh, I mean, went wire to wire. I thought she couldn't have been much more impressive than that start, and then obviously two starts back uh, where she went up against Regal Electra and, you know, totally rusty. who's was a nice mare and uh, blew the doors off them there. I, I think she's gotten back to her best game. And she's real dangerous. Venus Delight, uh, I thought her effort in the Breeders' Crown, granted it was her first start in the month and she might have actually needed the race. I thought she was a little bit flat in the stretch, to be honest with you. Um, you know, a horse like Sam Between Your Toes just kind of blew past her. Um, Katie said, who made a break, was blowing past her in the process of blowing past her when she went off stride. So Venus Delight is not the type of horse that I'm going to jump on here. Sam Between Your Toes, I mean, she's going to probably be wildly overbet because of that trip she had in the Breeders' Crown where she was locked in behind horses and was raging late. I certainly wouldn't blame anybody for betting her from that standpoint. And she can absolutely win the race, but I don't think the value is going to be there. So for me, I think Galley by the Beach, you might have one shot here to maybe still get, you know, three to one, seven to two on her, whereas if she wins tonight, or as Friday night, I should say, price the following week. Now, Darren, uh, let's, uh, let's skip ahead to Saturday night. Uh, to the Governor's Cup elimination for two-year-old Open Pacers. Uh, it features Spider-Man Hanover, Boston Red Rocks, who, uh, who our friend Ken Middleton said climbed the green monster in the Breeders' Crown. Uh, what did you think of Boston Red Rocks in the Breeders' Crown, and how do you think that trip and that race will translate over to the Governor's Cup? Well, I picked them, so I felt great about it. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but uh, I mean, let, let's be honest. I mean, you know, he was completely aided by, uh, by a pace and trip scenario. Uh, talk show went out in 25 and three. They got down to the half and 53 and a piece. And the outer flow was live. It just developed, and, and everyone kind of just fed off each other in that outer flow. And uh, I mean, he was obviously raging with pace, whereas the entire field was coming back to him. So the trip certainly worked to his advantage. There's no question about it. Uh, his qualifier though was very good. It showed that he's still sharp. The problem is, you know, whereas he was 18 to one last time, now he's going to be eight to five. I think the first horse that you mentioned is really interesting in Spider-Man Hanover. Uh, Dave Miller's choice of three in this spot. Uh, Breeders' Crown there, you know, I thought he made a big middle move into a really fast pace, and I think that kind of cost him on the back half. I thought that mile was better than it looked on paper, and prior to that, the horse is really good. I mean, he really seldom puts forth a bad effort for for Brian Brown. So for me, Spider-Man Hanover might be overlooked in this spot, and it's very interesting. One of two eliminations for the Valley Victory is next. That's race three on Saturday's program. And Marion Marauder is trying to build off the second-place finish uh, that he had in the Breeders' uh, Breeders' Crown against uh, Southwind Frank. But I got to tell you, Darren, Milligan School really made a heck of a rush towards the end to just miss doggone lucky in the Matron. Yep, and uh, you're on the horse that I picked again, uh, Mike. So I agree with you. I thought his Matron effort was very, very good. He ran after a sharp horse who he avoids this time out. Uh, He's got a win at the Meadowlands. He won a uh, an elimination for the uh, for the Peter Houghton earlier on in the season. So uh, he comes back to uh, the return to return to the scene of that win. I think he's got a big chance. Uh, Marion Marauder. I mean, look, yeah, he's been a runner up to Southwind Frank four of his last five starts. And when he didn't face him, he won. 
in a condition event. That was his only win of the career, but he's made almost $40 million. Obviously, he's a talented trotter, but you're going to have to take a short price on him. Love Matters was undefeated going into the Pennsylvania Sires Kids final where he made a mistake, kind of been a bit off form of late, not sold on him at a short price. So for me, I think Milligan's school looks like the logical play at anything about 7-2 to two or higher. Okay, now, Darren, the uh, next race coming up is the TVG free-for-all trot, and this is probably one of my favorite divisions uh, because it's so wide open. You've got Obergato, Rizal, uh, Master of Law. DW's New York Yank has been racing at the uh, Yonkers in the mile-and-a-quarter races a lot here lately. Uh, EL Titan is coming back. So uh, what's your take in this race? It's wide open. Uh, there's a lot of different ways that you can go. I think on talent, EL's t- EL Titan might be the best horse in the race. I would love for him to, you know, be able to put a series of races together. I feel like he's never been able to do that in his career. And, you know, he's putting together back-to-back races here. He probably needed the American National off of the seven-week layoff. He should be fitter and tighter for this. Have a ton of respect for him. Teacher gets the call. Uh, Resolve has kind of been like the de facto leader of this older trotting division, despite the fact that he's just two for 11. Um, master of law, you never see him go to the lead. His American national was surprising to me and how he won the race. But, uh, for me, I think EL Titan is going to be fitter and tighter and he's probably sitting on a really big effort. All right. Uh, Carter actually skipped over one, the Valley victory. That's okay, Mike. I'll, I'll give you a pass for all my technological glitches in the past, but elimination two of the Valley victory. Uh, doggone lucky is uh, been doggone good. He's won three in a row, held off Milligan School at the end, and uh, eight to five certainly looks good for me from the inside. He's going to be difficult to beat. You know, there's no question about it. I mean, he's won five of twelve starts. Uh, for me, you know, bar hopping is interesting. I know he made a break last time at Pocono, tuning up for this. He was a really good second behind Dupree a couple of times in Lexington. I know he only has one start, uh, one win, but he's really been knocking heads with the best of his. Uh, division. Doggone Lucky is certainly the now horse, but uh, I wouldn't be surprised at all if Bar Hopping puts up one of his better efforts here as you move into the Valley Victory Final. So for me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with Bar Hopping here and look for him to get back on track. What about Lagerfeld in that particular race? Kind of a, a long shot hope, I would say. Yeah, I, you know, a lot of people actually that I spoke to, he had a little buzz despite being 13-1 in the Breeders' Crown. Uh, and he never made the gate. You know, maybe it was the elements, the rain, the wind, the, the off track. And certainly prior to that, it was very sharp. I mean, he's hit the exact in eight of ten starts. Uh, he's going to be no better than third choice here. So uh, I would certainly give him a look. Okay. And then moving right along, Darren, let's go into the uh, 12th race on the card, I believe, the uh, the TBG free-for-all uh, pace. And uh, J.K. Endemanera, 6-5 to five good. I mean, he's been going against the likes of Foiled again and always be Mickey. And... Uh, Looks like a little bit of a softer group today. It is. The, the problem with J.K. Endovanera uh, is that he, he really is a bit of a trip horse. Uh, you know, you, you don't want to go first over with him. When he gets set up and when he gets set up with a trip and with a hot pace in front of him, um, you know, he's extremely difficult to hold off. But he draws outside in a short field. He doesn't have a lot of speed off the gate. I know T-Trick chose off of luck be with you here. But I think this race just falls into his lap, to be honest with you. I mean, he's got the, the most speed in the field. If somewhere in L.A. challenges him early, he might, you know, just do a give and go, let him go, and come right back at him. He chased uh, what might be the best uh, standard run on the planet and always be making his last start. He was a really good second there. 
I think he's just going to dictate terms here, and he might be able to take this field wire to wire. And I think the way the race sets up, somewhere in L.A. has a live long shot chance to hit deep Zacta. But for me, luck be with you is going to be the horse to catch. Well, we have Darren Zucchelli, the uh, director of racing operations at the Metal Inns, joining us. Uh, Darren, we got one more race we want to cover with you. It's the ninth race. It's the Governor's Cup elimination for two-year-old open pacers. And it features a very good field. Uh, check six, Katie's rocker, one horse that sort of sticks off the page at me is um, Auto-Tune Hanover. What is your uh, What do you like about this race here? Yeah, this is a really competitive race. I mean, New Talent is a horse that's got buzz. He's a horse that a lot of people feel is very fast, but comes with a lot of uh, quirks and issues. Check Six has been good. Katie's Rocker won the New Jersey Futurity over Ideal Rocky. Ideal Rocky in the matron was locked in for his life in the stretch. I mean, that's a complete toss-out. I mean, there's so many different ways to go. Auto-Tune Hanover making a second start back off the layoff. Uh, really got uh, stung there going first over to Big Top Hanover and the Matron was a tough trip. Uh, I can certainly see making case for any of them. And by the way, Talk Show, who I, I know hasn't won since his uh, first couple of starts, electric qualifier at the Meadowlands last week. I mean, taken back off the gate, launched in the stretch, was flying to the finish behind Boston Red Rocks, and it was Scott Zeron's choice. I think he might even be sitting on a big race. Um, and then uh, I didn't even get to the horse that I picked yet because I thought this race was so wide open. I went with a bomb. I actually picked J.K. Willpower, a horse that had no chance in the Pennsylvania Sire Stakes final. It's a complete toss-out race. Was locked in last time in the matron, was finishing up with pace. Now his second race back off the layoff. Uh, he raced very well in Pennsylvania Sire Stakes efforts behind horses like Spider-Man Hanover, who's really good. And he's going to be a huge price and overlooked here. So my advice in this elimination is find value because, I mean, you can make a case for probably, I would say, five or six of the uh, of the horses here to win. All right, those are some of the races coming up at the Meadowlands on Friday and Saturday. Now, Darren, you know you got Belichick coming into town Sunday. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not feeling too good about that as a Giant fan. I am feeling good about it from the standpoint that Tom Brady is my quarterback in fantasy football. And you have to feel good about the fact that uh, you're in one of the worst divisions in football, too. Now, i got to tell you, I, Darren, you heard it here first. Next year, Matthew Stafford will be the football quarterback up here 10 miles north of where I work. Wow. Well, that's, you know what? That's a distinct possibility. I mean, I, you know, I haven't even thought about that. You, you got, by the way, I mean, I'm a Giants fan. You guys are going to win the division. The, Giant, the Giants are going to go 8-8. Eight and eight. The Eagles are going to go 9-7. and seven. I mean, the Giants are terrible. I know they're five and four. They'll be five and five after this week, Mike. They couldn't stop you and I throwing the football to one another. It's the worst defense I've ever seen. <laughs> well, uh, Darren, uh, for uh, for all arguments' sake, I'm a New England fan since, uh, uh, gosh, Bledsoe. So uh, I'm hoping that New England comes in and wins this weekend, uh, Darren. But you can uh, come in and win this weekend, but we still have our two Super Bowl victories. <laughs> That's right. Well, Darren, well, we certainly appreciate you uh, coming on to the show, and uh, we hope to have you on on future broadcasts. Yeah, absolutely. Anytime, guys. I look forward to it. Thanks for letting me come on and uh, and preview the meet. Uh, and uh, great job calling the races at your respective tracks. I like listening to you guys. And uh, hopefully speak to you soon. Appreciate it, Darren. Yeah, guys. All right. All right. That was Darren Zaccali, Director of Racing Operations at the Meadowlands Racetrack. A lot of great information uh, from Darren. Uh, real quick, Mike, we're going to take a commercial break, but we first have some breaking news. Wiggle it, jiggle it, wins his matron. Uh, stake in 149 and 4. We will have that race on tape delay uh, coming up in just a little bit.
Friends of Maryland Standard Breads is an industry support group focused on promoting harness racing in Maryland. Friends of Maryland Standard Breads works hand-in-hand with charities involving children and horses, such as the Harness Horse Youth Foundation. Friends of Maryland Standard Breads is actively involved with organizations such as the Maryland Horse Council and the Maryland Horse Industry Board, working together to promote the horse industry in Maryland. Follow Friends of Maryland Standard Breads on Twitter and like them on Facebook. It takes them every ounce of energy to get out of bed. They struggle to the mirror and comb their hair, what's left of it. But when the race is on, it's on. The Daylos in between horses, Jettison gets to the lead, and Jettison will take the Niatron. Down to the finish, Mick Wicked by as much as he pleases. The Daylos with 100 yards to go, the Daylos and driver Trumati win the Niatron final. Draws away as they come down to the finish. Pinkman, a go-away winner. Catch Harness Racing's newest podcast, Post Time, with Mike Bozich and Mike Carter, every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern on blogtalkradio.com. with Mike and Mike, and that was the call from Sweden when Nunzio won their Breeders' Crown Race, and we're joined now by uh, Brandon Valvo. Brandon, can you call a race like that? Uh, Not like that, no. I don't think any of us can. (laughs) Talk a little bit about (laughs) Nunzio, buddy. Looked uh, looked good overseas. Yeah, boy, he really looks good. You know, he's one one of my favorite horses. I'd say he's definitely my favorite horse in training right now. Um. You know, he's just so consistent. Um, you know, he's never really had a bad race in his life, I don't think. And uh, since he's gone overseas this year, he's just uh, continued that streak. He hasn't finished worse than third. His his worst, if you can call it his worst performance, it was in the elite lap where he finished third. His worst finish, anyway. Uh, that was still an incredible performance. Uh, he racked up many wins in a row. He finally, he was defeated in his last start leading up to the Breeders' Crown, but then he was back in full force in the Breeders' Crown and a uh, pretty comfortable two-length winner there. So uh, he, he was really impressive. And, you know, it wasn't so much um, who he beat in that race um, because it wasn't like a, I wouldn't call it a world-class field. It's just four-year-olds. But um, it was the way he won it for me because he was uh, stuck three wide in the first half mile or so. And then he was tracking 
I guess technically you could say he was tracking first over the rest of the mile or the rest of the the rest of the race. Um, but really, he was pressing the pace the whole time, and then when he came to the top of the stretch, he just took over the lead and just pretty comfortably edged away. So it, it was really impressive to watch, and he's just a great, great horse. Now, Brandon, uh, overseas, he's won nine races and 12 starts. He's won 370000 uh U.S. dollars. Uh, it's over $3 yeah. million in the sweet in the Sweden world. How, how good is this horse over there? And, uh, you know, he was good over here. Don't get me wrong. He raced well, uh, but he wasn't this dominating. Do you think maybe maturing a little bit had something to do with it? Um, you know, I don't know. I, I always thought – he he was one of the more underrated horses we've seen in a while. He was kind of always living in, in Father Patrick's shadow. It, it, and I don't think that was always necessarily because of the way he performed on the racetrack. I thought, you know, he he, he was always very good, but the media and, and the way the way it was handled, you know, it was all about Patrick. And, and now that he's out of that shadow, I think we really get to see him shine. And I'm sure he has matured, and I'm sure he's going to continue to do that. Um, as he continues to race, but uh, I think he's always been a very, very talented horse, and he's just continuing to to prove it with every start. And that's the question I was asking, Brandon. I mean, what's next for this horse? I mean, he's doing a lot of damage over the seas, overseas. Does he stay overseas, or do we see him eventually back here in the states? Um, well, he's owned by uh, his Swedish owners. Um, Stalteezy, Stefan Melander, who owns trains and drives. So uh, I'd imagine we'll see him over there. He's been so successful. Um, you know, he, he's racing on Saturday in the uh, Sovala Grand Prix, another four-year-old race. Um, so he looks pretty well-spotted to win there again. He drew post five and uh, same post position he had in the Breeders' Crown and and against four-year-olds again, so he's pretty well spotted to put another win uh, on his resume here. After that, um, you know, they're not really sure yet, or at least they're not saying. Um, it's an option that they might go to France this winter. Um, they don't know that yet. Um, I'd imagine the ultimate goal is for the Elite Lab next year, but, um, you know, we'll just have to wait and see. I And I would love to see him in in um, the international trot at some point too. Um, but, you know, we'll just have to wait and see. You know, Brandon, one of these days I'm going to have to go to the international trot with you. And cause I, I know it, was, it had to be a lot of fun. And uh, some of those horses uh, came back from American, like Tomoku and things of that sort. Do you see any of those horses coming up uh, in the next couple of weeks or is the stake season kind of dying down for the year and uh, we'll restart back in January? Uh, no, you know, it's really just getting started in the next couple of weeks. Uh, at Vassen, uh they're going to be starting the road to the Prix d'Amérique, so it's really it's really just heating up, to be honest. Um, it's a bit different than in the U.S., where the big season seems to be in the spring, summer, fall. Uh, the winter's kind of quiet. Over there, you know, fall, they're just getting geared up and starting all the big preps for for the winter classics, and um, so it, it's really just heating up. So you're going to see a lot of those horses racing at Vassen. Uh, soon in the next couple of weeks. Um, Tomoko, it's interesting you mentioned him. He was actually nominated um, to a Monty race, racing under saddle race um, recently. So we'll oh, see how wow. that goes, if they're going to try that with him. They say he's been training um, training under saddle a bit, and he's taken to it well. So there is a uh, 750,000 euro 
uh, Monty race a couple a couple weeks before the Prix Marie, I believe. And so it sounds like they are at least interested in that. So that could be something to keep an eye on too, but we'll see how that goes. All right. Well, uh, Brandon, we uh, certainly appreciate the uh, international flavor you bring to the show. Uh, I, I don't follow it that much, so we uh, we appreciate having uh, somebody who who really follows it and uh, is willing to bring some uh, information to the table for us. Well, yeah, I appreciate you guys having me on. It's it's great to be able to bring this because um, you know there's so much great racing all over the all over the place, not just in the U.S. So um, you know it's a lot of fun to follow these sources too. Well, Brandon, we'll certainly have you back on to the show, and uh, we appreciate you taking time out of your night uh, to join us. All right, guys. Thanks for having me. No problem. That's Brandon Volvo. He is the, uh, I want to call him the staff writer for Harness Racing America. He also does the international stuff for them. He does a lot of great things for Harness Racing America, so we're certainly glad to have an international flavor on the show. We're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, it's the three-year-old matron stake, excuse me, stake, which was won by Wiggle It Jiggle It. Ted Black will be on the show. We got a lot more coming up just after the break. Friends of Maryland Standard Breads is an industry support group focused on promoting harness racing in Maryland. Friends of Maryland Standard Breads works hand in hand with charities involving children and horses, such as the Harness Horse Youth Foundation. Friends of Maryland Standard Breads is actively involved with organizations such as the Maryland Horse Council and the Maryland Horse Industry Board, working together to promote the horse industry in Maryland. Follow Friends of Maryland Standard Breads on Twitter and like them on Facebook. It takes them every ounce of energy to get out of bed. They struggle to the mirror and comb their hair, what's left of it. But when the race is on, it's on. The Dallas in between horses, Jettison gets to the lead, and Jettison will take the Niatron. Down to the finish, Mick Wicked by as much as he pleases. The Dallas with 100 yards to go, the Dallas and driver Drew Monty win the Niatron final. Draws away as they come down to the finish. Pinkman, a go-away winner. Catch Harness Racing's newest podcast, Post Time, with Mike Bozich and Mike Carter, every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern on blogtalkradio.com. We're here with Ted Black, who is uh, joining us live from Dover Downs. And uh, Ted, I'll tell you what, you've seen a lot of uh, great racing tonight. Yeah, we've seen some uh, some really good performances by some uh, really fast uh, pacers and trotters, and um, maybe decided finally put the finishing touches on horse of the year, and um, you know, and then of course Mission Brief winning, you know, certainly Sam Fair Legacy is as uh, one of the best uh, Breeders' Crown uh, excluded, of course. Ted, let's go ahead and talk about the uh, let's thank him in order. Let's talk about the uh, the three-year-old fillies. And uh, Mosquito Blue Chip won, the, uh, won that particular race. And, uh, you know, Devil's Child, uh, the favorite in that race, really made a move at Mosquito Blue Chip towards the end. But Mosquito Blue Chip was able to hold on at 149. And please tell us what you saw. Yeah, it was good. It was a good mile uh, from both of those fillies. Um, you know, Devil's Child, it was really sharp at Balmoral last week, made a, a brush move to take the front, uh, basically a quarter move to take the lead coming past the grandstand. And uh, Mosquito Blue Chip 
made an identical move and brushed past her, take the lead going to the half. They got to the half and uh, 54 and change. Uh, a pretty pretty quick tempo, and then three quarters was 122. I uh, excuse me, 53 and four to the half for those girls, and then 121 and three for three quarters. And uh, down a stretch, it was pretty much a match race. Mosquito Blue Chip and Devil Child, and Devil Child just couldn't get to her. Mosquito Blue Chip was uh, really good for a lard and two uh, bay combination tonight. 49 and two, pretty impressive mile there. Now, were you surprised at how fast the track was tonight? I know uh, I was watching the race and talking with Mike on the phone uh, before we came on the show, and uh, I couldn't believe how fast they were going. Are you surprised by how fast that track is tonight? Yeah, I lost you for a split second, Mike. Uh, no, I, uh, I said, uh, were you surprised at how fast the track was and how fast it's been all night long? Uh, no, not really. I mean, typically they've uh, they've had the track pretty pretty fast for these big nights. Um, got a little bit of rain earlier today. You know, probably tightened up the track quite a bit, and then it dried out nicely over the course of the day. After that, um, Dover's you know usually pretty fast five eighths mile track, and uh, today they the super certainly had the track had the track tight and got to see good horses. Uh, you know, going going fast miles over a fast track tonight. So, yeah, I've seen a number of 48 and change miles here over the years. So, um, you know, see a couple 49s tonight uh, for the Pacers and a couple of uh, in Mission Brief going 50 and change. Not uh, not totally surprising. They, they do a nice job keeping the track fast and uh, firm over here. Moving right along, uh, three-year-old Colton Gelding uh, trotted race number seven. And uh, Crazy Wow was crazy good. Track record performance, uh, 152, simply got away. Talk a little bit about uh, what you saw there. Yeah, again, um, you know, when Crazy Wow is on his game, I mean, certainly uh, probably the second-best three-year-old Colt Trotter in the in the country behind Pink Man. Uh, might be some other uh, other people might contend that might be a notch or, notch, uh, or two down the list there. But, you know, when, when I've seen Crazy Wow at his best, like in the Empire Breeders Classics earlier this year and even at Yonkers, I mean, he he can really put in some big, big miles. And tonight was certainly one of them. Got to the half and pretty honest, 55 and two, three quarters and 124. He was just strolling right along and then drew off. You know, the win by seven, probably could have won by 10 if he wanted to. Um, just just much the best. I mean, certainly, uh, you know, you see a horse like this and you're, you think most people would, this would be their best trotter in the barn, and with Burke, you know, it's it's his second best trotter. But uh, uh, on a, any given day, Crazy Wow is, can uh, can race with the best of them. He certainly showed it tonight. I mean, he was just giant here. Well, uh, Ted, let's it's again. We have Ted Black on. He's a correspondent for Bet America. And Ted, let's talk about Mission Brief. And I'll tell you what. This was probably one of the most impressive performances I've ever seen. Come home in 27-2, and two, but the way that she just drew off from Wild Honey, I could not believe it. Yeah, I mean, she is just an exceptional trotting filly. You know, I mean, obviously things didn't go her way in the back in the hambo, and then, of course, Breeder's Crown. Uh, you know, she uh, basically switched over from a trot to a pace uh, at the quarter pole and, you know, went off stride there. But, you know, when she stays flat, I mean, she is – almost invincible you know you hate to use that word with a, a three-year-old philly trotter but you know tonight you know she made the front easily you know pretty honest splits all the way through there were faster splits than what crazy wild put up and you know and she draws off and wins in 50 and two 
and uh, Wild Honey, who had beaten her, obviously, in the Breeders' Crown, and sat a trip and beat her at Lexington. Just simply no match for her tonight. So, um, again, you know, you look at a, a trot and filly like Mission Brief, and, you know, arguably she's the best trotter colt uh, in, in the land you know, of her age, colt or filly, uh, a little unlucky in the Hamiltonian, but, you know, really on any given day under a level playing field, you know, I think she uh, she could beat Pink Man and Crazy Wow, you know, any of them. But uh, tonight she was just just truly, truly giant. Yeah, it was almost like she had something to prove, Ted. I mean, uh, Wild Honey was uh, actually she was Wild Honey was prepared. If she would have handed Mission Brief the defeat tonight, it would have been the third straight time she beat Mission Brief. Granted, you know, Mission Brief broke in the Greatest Crown last start, but uh, hats off to those connections and uh, a world record performance, one fifty and two. Uh, for Mission Brief. Well, and, and this is a race that we actually did not have a chance to see, uh, Ted Black. I, we were able to watch the first three, but did not have a chance because we were on the air to uh, watch the three-year-old Colton Gelding pace where uh, Wiggle It, Jiggle It uh, paced another monster uh, effort. Why don't you tell us what you saw? Yeah, I mean, again, it looked like on paper it was going to be uh, almost a match race between Wiggle It, Jiggle It and Wakazashi Hanover. I mean, they certainly have the gate speed to uh, – dictate the tempo early and wiggle it jiggle it uh not one of the horses that has to be on the front by any means but he has enough gate speed to secure early position and uh wakizashi was a little quicker off the gate than he was tonight made the front you know 26 flat uh got a ridiculous breather to the half in 55 and i think it uh you know a lot of people might have thought the race was over and it was going to be wakizashi and wiggle it jiggle it and just those two um but, you know, Montreal pulled the right line going to three quarters and popped the pocket and made a quick brush bid to, to take the front going by three quarters. And Wakazashi just simply didn't have an answer. Uh, I mean, he was just no good period tonight and, and ended up not getting a check. Uh, but Wiggle Jiggle, he popped the pocket, made the brush to the front and uh, kept going. You know, dude's demand really, really wasn't as good as I thought he would be tonight. Um but, uh, you know, Wiggle Jigglet, again, probably uh, probably secured Horse of the Year honors. Uh, I know I talked to, went down and talked to Montreal after the race. They're looking at possibly the TVG uh, against older horses. They did get invited to that. Um, but more than likely, they're going to stay here at Dover and go in the uh, Progress, which has since been renamed the Hap Hansen. Uh, probably looking at eliminations and a final for that. Um, but a chance to uh, just just stay close to home and race three-year-olds, give the horse a chance to go out on a on a really winning note this year. But uh, with what he's done this year, 20 wins and over $2 million in earnings and taking down a couple of the big three-year-old races, the Meadowlands Pace and the Little Brown Jug and Battle Brandywine and some others along the way, you know, including the matron tonight, you know, I think he's pretty much secured horse of the year honors. All right, Ted. Anybody else stand out at you uh, other than uh, what you saw in the matron here tonight? Um, you know, I was watching the overnight uh, a little bit and uh, some of the other Delaware bread fund races. Uh, you know, really nothing nothing in particular jumped out of me. Um, you know, I was so so keen on uh, focusing on the, the matrons. And, uh, you know, certainly, you know, once you watch a trotter like Mission Brief, uh, and crazy wow, you know, once you watch those two trotters back to back, I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's tough to sit down and, and watch an overnight race and, uh, and be as object, you know, as objective watching those. But, uh, you know, certainly from my preview, I used the, uh, the, the matrons pretty heavy tonight. And, um, 
Yeah, those those horses all delivered. You know, all, all the ones that came to race, really, the only disappointment, modest disappointment, would have been Devil Child getting beat. I, I didn't think she'd get beat by Mosquito Blue Chip tonight. But, for you know, she was a really good second. And then, of course, you watch, you know, Crazy Wild draw off and Mission Breed draw off and then Wiggle Jiglet with a, a backside brush and, and uh, went in the Matron again for his 20th win and to go over $2 million in earnings. Uh, you know, that's... That's that's quite an evening when you get to see all of those uh, horses at one track, basically within an hour and a half time frame. It's uh, pretty uh, pretty impressive and pretty enjoyable. Well, Ted, we certainly appreciate having you on, and uh, we'll bring you back uh, for around the progress pace, and uh, we uh, we certainly hope to have you on real soon. Okay. Ah, look forward. Thanks again, Mike. No problem. Thank Ted. you. And, uh, that's Ted Black. He is a contributor, a regular contributor for Maryland, Delaware. Uh, for Bet America and Mike, I'll tell you what, lots of great racing went on there tonight, including, of course, Mission Brief, as we talked about. But how good is Wiggle and Jiggle? Well, today you got a track record, a world record, a, a 49-2 effort from Mosquito Blue Chip, and, of course, the big win uh, by Wiggle and Jiggle. And uh, what a great crop of three-year-olds. What an exciting, exciting year. You know, you've got Freaky Feet, Pete, and as a matter of fact, we have, uh, or we're going to have Larry Reinheimer on the show next week. So we're going to talk uh, a little bit to him uh, about uh, Freaky Feet Pete. Uh, who's who's done for 2015? Am I right? Or do we know yes. that yet? Yeah, he is uh, Freaky Feet Pete. It's been confirmed he hasn't finished for 2015. And, you know, I'll tell you what, he's got nothing left to prove in my book. He's an Indian Sire Stakes champion. He's a Breeders' Crown champion. And uh, I'll tell you what, it'll be fun to watch him come back next year versus Wiggle and Jiggle it. These two are going to be uh, an absolutely phenomenal uh, duo. We're going to take one last commercial break. When we come back, it'll be the stretch call of the three-year-old Matron Stakes, and uh, we'll close out the show with some harness racing headlines. That's coming up to you next on Post Time with Mike and Mike. Friends of Maryland Standard Breads is an industry support group focused on promoting harness racing in Maryland. Friends of Maryland Standard Breads works hand-in-hand with charities involving children and horses, such as the Harness Horse Youth Foundation. Friends of Maryland Standard Breads is actively involved with organizations such as the Maryland Horse Council and the Maryland Horse Industry Board, working together to promote the horse industry in Maryland. Follow Friends of Maryland Standard Breads on Twitter and like them on Facebook. Jiggleth performance, 149 and 4, and I'll tell you what, absolutely dominated here this evening. Yeah, certainly a fantastic effort from Wiggleth, Jiggleth uh, in the Matron. Um, you know, and, and there was there was some pretty good horses in that race, too. You know, here's the thing. You talk about Wakazashi Hanover and how good this horse has been, but he's uh, ran up against a couple of buzzsaws and freaky feet, Pete, and art speak. I mean, you have, or, or rather, uh, Wiggleth, Jiggleth, if you ask yourself, you know, if it, if it wasn't for those two horses, if Wakazashi Hanover uh, would be uh, getting all the accolades right now, but certainly a wonderful horse there. And and uh, hopefully next week we'll uh, not only with Larry Reinheimer, but we'll also have Joanne Looney King uh, on the show. Hopefully next week we'll keep you up to date on social media. But there's some other good ones in there. The Kane winner was in there. Delta winner. I actually like that horse a little bit. 
as a long shot on the Breeders' Crown, but broke right at the start. Actually made a good recovery to uh, finish fifth and uh, just lost to uh, Bad Exano, but despite a tough trip at Harris, Philadelphia, in a, a 150 and three mile there. And Dude's the man, uh, the Adios winner, another nice horse. So some great, great horses uh, this year as far as the uh, three-year-old Colton Geldings are concerned. And uh, Wiggle It, Jiggle It, and Freaky Feet Pete, best of them all. It was uh, certainly a great, great year to be a harness racing fan, Mike. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. And uh, speaking of social media, Mike, uh, people, you know, there's plenty of ways you can watch this show and um, listen. I'm sorry, not watch the show. I guess we're not really a TV program, huh? Um, And uh, so there's many things you can do. You can listen to us on Blog Talk Radio. Our archive comes up uh, immediately following the show. It also goes to iTunes, the podcast store. Uh, you can also visit us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash PT Mike and Mike and at PT Mike and Mike one on Twitter. Well, Mike, uh, real quick, before we uh, wrap things up, we got a few extra minutes. Let's talk Hannah Miller for a couple of minutes, shall we? Absolutely. Yeah, she, uh, she was good. She just won the regional final at Pocono. Yeah, she won the regional final. Now she came here to Buffalo. And, you know, she didn't have the best of luck here, which, you know what, it's tough to win a race on a half-mile track. But I'll tell you what, Mike, it's a whole new set of challenges for these Billings drivers because they go to different racetracks all the time. And some, you know, they don't drive that often. So, uh, you know, I can see how it could be difficult for them. Well, sure. I mean, you've got the half-mile, you've got the five-eighths mile, and you've got the one-mile surface. And, you know, besides all that, you've got different surfaces for different racetracks and different strategies, you know. So, uh, I mean, it it could be very tough. So, certainly hats off to Hannah Miller, who uh, has done a fantastic job here in 2015 and beyond. You're going to hear a lot from that young lady. And uh, one of the other things, too, about Hannah, Mike, that uh, I really like is that she competes a lot. Uh, in the uh, the breast cancer races, the breast cancer research races. And we had a chance to sit down and talk with her a couple of weeks ago when she uh, competed along with Tabby Kennard and Mary Burkholz and uh, Rachel Kenny Oak and some of the others uh, at Northfield Park. And it's good to see that uh, more of those races are starting to come about. And I'd really like to see a good circuit of those uh, in the coming years because it's, uh, you know, listen, it's a great cause. And, uh, you know, these, uh, these young women are out there giving it their all, and it's fantastic to see. But, uh, you know, Hannah Miller's done a fantastic job. And uh, I'll tell you what, she could drive with anybody in the sport today. Well, Mike, I'll tell you what, one thing is the Billings drivers, and for those of you who don't know, I believe they give their winnings back to charity, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah, that's correct. As a matter of fact, we had a, a thing going on at Hazel Park um, not too long ago. And we'll have to get Steve show because Steve Oldford could tell us a little bit more about it, but uh, my old friend Denny Walton, the old assistant race secretary at Hazel Park, had, had an agreement uh, where the driver's fees uh, would be put into a day for uh, kids with needs that uh, would come out to the racetrack, and, uh, you know, we'd have a great day for them. I mean, we'd take them in the back stretch, and we'd let them pet the horses, and we'd let them see a race. We'd let them drive in the starting car and take them up to the announcer's booth, just give them the old grand tour, and then you know, give them a nice uh, dinner at the end of the night. And it was uh, a fantastic, fantastic thing. And I'd certainly like to see more of those. Yeah, Mike, I'll tell you what, uh, you know, a lot of those things, you know, help to promote the sport of harness racing. And, you know, I'll tell you one thing about this show, for those of you who don't know, is this show, we made it to positively promote horse racing, harness racing, horse racing. uh, It doesn't, you know, doesn't matter. We want to positively promote the sport, and uh, we're so thankful 
that we have the support of our sponsor, friends of Maryland Standard Breads. And uh, I'll tell you what, Mike, every horse has a story. And I'll tell you what, I don't know about you, but I plan on telling it. And I certainly appreciate, you know, we've gotten a l- so much positive feedback since we started this. And, uh, you know, our listenership's been outstanding. It's been growing. Uh, you know, we've gotten a lot of social media feedback and uh, a lot of positive feedback generally in the business. And, you know, and like I say, Mike, and I say this almost every time we, we uh, you know, we turn on the mics and talk. But, uh, I mean, just like every sport, there are problems in this industry and, uh, and, and, you know, and they need to be addressed. There's no question about it. But there's also, uh, on the same token, there's a lot of positive stories and a lot of things that happen in this industry that don't get the press that it deserves. And these are stories that are worth telling. And, uh, you know, we're going to tell it right here on Post Time with Mike and Mike. And, and like you just said, you know, every hoof that hits that racetrack has got a story to tell. I mean, every owner that uh, puts a dime in this business has a story to tell. Every trainer that gets up at 435 in the morning, you know, they have a story to tell. I mean, these drivers are unbelievable. They travel all over the place and they put it all out in the line, race in and race out. And uh, everybody that has anything to do with this industry, it's a labor of love. And, uh, you know, those stories don't get told enough, Mike. And, uh, you know, we plan on telling them right here at Post Time with Mike and Mike on a weekly basis. Yeah, I totally uh, one thing I want to touch on real quick, uh, Mike, is the uh, driving the driver title race. Uh, we got about two and a half minutes left. Uh, Aaron Merriman and George Napolitano Jr. I'll tell you what; these two, like you, you were talking about drivers and how much they drive. These two drive their pants off every single week, week in, week out. Very rarely taking any time off. I'll tell you what; these two are uh, are, are two that I would love to get on the show. But they, I'll tell you what, they are very hard workers. Well, sure. I mean, usually they're behind a harness horse, so it's going to be very tough to get one of them guys on the air. Or maybe we can get all three. Maybe we can get Ronnie and Aaron and George, and they could duke it out on the air uh, all at one time. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, George uh, Napolitano had six wins today at Harris, Philadelphia, and he's regularly doing uh, Chester and Pocono. And uh, Aaron Merriman's doing Meadowlands and Northfield. And like you said, eight straight wins. Yeah, the Meadows in Northfield. Yeah, eight straight wins, uh, Mike, for Aaron Merriman. So this is going to be a slugfest heading down to the wire, and it's going to be very interesting to see. Um, I do think that Aaron will have a chance to gain ground towards the end of the year because Pocono's coming up on their closing day, and we close at Harris, Philadelphia on December 13th. So, um, and I think Northfield goes right to the end of the year, and I think Meadows goes right to the end of the year too, right, Mike? Yeah, they both go towards the end of the year. So uh, Okay, so Aaron's going Aaron's to have some time to gain ground towards the end. So uh, Jordy's going to have to try to build a lead. But you know what? Nonetheless, it's fun to watch. I mean, it's like two prize fighters going at it. These guys are going, uh, well, as an announcer speak, neck and neck, nose and nose for the lead. But hats off to them. It's great to be a fan, and I, uh, I enjoy watching and calling it, as you do as well. Definitely. Well, we certainly appreciate everybody uh, joining us for our show Next week, we've got some uh, more great interviews, great action for you. We'll see you next week. For Mike Bozich, I'm Mike Carter. Thank you for joining us on Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Friends of Maryland Standard Breads.